Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Amen. Now you can be seated. Now you can be seated. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. This morning we're going to start a series, and I know what time it is, I'm going to be sure. We're going to start a series called Rescue Stories. And I thought about a lot of things I could preach as the Lord dropped this on my, in my spirit. I thought about when I think about rescue stories, I thought about obvious stories in the Bible that stand out to my mind, like Daniel in the lion's den, and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew boys who were delivered out of the furnace. Or I think about the uh, Israelites, how they escaped. Egyptian bondage and, 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 the, and the Egyptians are uh, following closely behind them and they are staring a Red Sea in the face. They don't know how to cross over and God splits the sea and the Israelites walk across on dry ground and then when the Egyptians come, the water comes back to place and washes them out and I thought, man, what a rescue story and I think about other stories like that that would be very obvious but I'm not preaching any of those today. In fact, there's one parable that Jesus spoke about as he was talking to a lawyer I couldn't get away from. You know the story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Have you heard that? Good Samaritan. I've preached it several times. I've preached it different ways, different focuses and emphasis, but I think, I think today I'm going to hit it square, square in the bullseye. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. I want you to think about this verse, though, for a second. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, by self-effort, by trying to be a better person, I want you to pay attention to me just for a second now. You, you, no man is justified by trying to be better, by trying to be good, by trying to figure it out and work it out. No man on his own can be justified. No man can earn salvation. And Paul says here, no man is justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. By the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed. Paul's speaking of he being a Jew. We ourselves have believed in Jesus Christ. And then the next part of that verse says, and this was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ. By the faithfulness of Christ and not by the works of the law. Let me stop right there. I'll never get to a place in my life you will never get to a place in your life where you have the right to brag about your faithfulness to God. Never. You'll never come to a place, you'll never graduate to a place and say, wow, I am so faithful to God. And brag about how good you are and how, how holy you are in God because of your works or how, how, how much faith you have. I hear people talk about that. I hear people say things like that. But I'm telling you, those are people who have never been through nothing, who have never walked through nothing, who've never faced the fire, who've never been in the furnace. Because, friend, I don't have anything to brag about. I can't brag about my faithfulness, but what I can brag on is Jesus and his faithfulness to me. Somebody help me preach this morning. 
His faithfulness to me. That's what I brag about. Paul would say, if I have anything to boast in, I boast in what Jesus Christ has done. Ooh. Because by the works of the law, last line, no human being can be, will be, shall be justified. I love the gospel of Jesus. You know why? Because I've been, there's not a whole lot of things I've been picked out for. I can remember in school, I was never the fastest. I was never the smartest. I never was the most, most athletic. I always could sing pretty good. Better than Josh. And we all know that. But I never was, was, had a lot to bring to the table. And then if I think about salvation and I think about if it was my talent and my ability or if I had something I could bring, guess what? I wouldn't be included in this number. There's no way. I remember, I can remember volleyball, not volleyball, but uh, kickball. I was always the last person to be picked. It was me and the guy in the wheelchair. I'm thinking, come on, pick me. And it was a hard, you know, they had to make a hard choice. I never was picked first. You understand? But while I was yet a sinner, See, some of y'all still think you choose salvation. You chose Jesus. You didn't choose Jesus. You have no ability and you came naked. You came with nothing to offer. You were lost and didn't even know you were lost. You, you needed to make a choice and didn't even know you needed to make a choice unless Jesus opened your eyes and one day he opened your eyes and he chose you and he wanted you before you had anything to offer him, before you ever went to church, before you ever decided to give tithe or give an offering. Jesus said, I chose you and you love God yes you do but you love God because he loved you first not by works not by earning it not trying to deserve it no man is justified by his efforts but he is justified by simply believing that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God that he died an undeserving death and he rose again for me and you. And I know it seems simple and elementary and you say, Pastor, preach something dynamic. Preach something great. Something that challenges me. There is nothing more challenging. Nothing more great. Nothing more dynamic than for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Not by works but by his grace. So I take your attention. That was my introduction. I take your attention Jesus having an encounter with this lawyer. Luke chapter 10, where it's known as the parable of the good Samaritan. 
Verse 25 says, Then an expert in the law stood up to test him. That's important. This man was trying to show the people something. There was a crowd around this lawyer. Trying to trip Jesus up a little bit and make a point. The expert in the law stood up to test him. What law? Jewish law. Saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is, could be asked like this. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to live forever? What must I do to go to heaven? And then Jesus replies back to him and says, what is written in the law? He's an expert in the law, right? So he flips the script on him and says, you tell me. Oh, you know what's in the law. He asked him, how do you read it? And then the lawyer replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, you've answered correctly. And you know what? The lawyer thought, ha, got him. You see, because why was the lawyer asking this question? He was asking this question because he had heard, being a religious leader of that day, he had heard that Jesus was coming, preaching something that they had never heard before. And, and he was radical, and it was making people feel uncomfortable. And they, be, they begin to say about Jesus, they begin to say, he talks with one having authority. He teaches differently, and, and, and miracles follow him. So here's this lawyer wanting to see what's really the deal with Jesus and is he different and is he radical and his, is he going to bring about something new and he asked Jesus what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God and Jesus says read it and, and the lawyer reads it from Deuteronomy love the Lord God with all your heart your soul and your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbor and the, and the lawyer is saying nothing to see here Ain't nothing different about Jesus. The rabbis preach the same thing. They say the same thing. He's saying, what did we say? There's nothing, are you listening to me this morning? There's nothing special about him. He's not bringing anything radical and new. Basically, the lawyer, lawyer's saying, y'all can go home. Nothing to see here. But the lawyer didn't stop while he was ahead. Now feeling good about himself, the lawyer. Thinking that he loves the Lord God with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his mind and with all his strength. He says, well, if he's going to say that, I know who my neighbor is. My neighbor is uh, the orphan. My neighbor is the person in need. I do that. 
I take care of people. I'm a good person. So he says, I'm going to go ahead and just put the nail in this thing and finish it off. And he said, and Jesus, who's my neighbor? First of all, let me back up. There's nobody in here, including me, who at all times, in all ways, loves the Lord God with all your heart and your mind, your soul and your strength. Nobody. Oh yeah, pastor, I do. What about when you sinned? Were you loving God with all your heart and your mind and your soul and, your, and you just happened to love your way right into sin? No. See, this thing is about perfection. God is perfect. See, was Jesus bringing about something new? You better believe it. Everything Jesus was doing was radical. Everything he was doing was new because he was ushering in a brand new covenant. A blood covenant. What, 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 what bulls and goats, the sacrificing of animals could not do, Jesus was going to do once and for all by giving his life, by laying his life down on the cross and shedding blood and taking on the burden of sin for me and you and paying the price and enduring the shame and the rejection in our place so we wouldn't have to if we simply believe on him. Oh, something was very different about this Jesus. The lawyer says, well, in his self-righteousness, I do all these things. Who's my neighbor? And thinking Jesus was going to say the same thing that the old covenant says. Scriptures found in Deuteronomy. Jesus buckles the knees of this lawyer and throws him in a ditch by the way of this parable. He says, just imagine, Mr. Lawyer, that you were going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and you fall into the hands of robbers and they strip you and they beat you and they leave you half dead I was told that lawyers never ask a question that they don't know the answer to so when they ask you a question if you've ever been on the hot seat they, they know what you're going to say unless you say what they don't know you're going to say and if you say something they are not expecting you to say you mess them up and this is what Jesus done thinking he would say take care of the orphans take minister to the your neighbor is those people who aren't like you no he goes further and he takes this thing this man this lawyer at the heart of his self-righteousness and he throws him in a ditch here's my thinking of what Jesus is saying to this man he's saying you, listen you want to know who your neighbor is you will never be a neighbor until you are neighbored You'll never be a neighbor until you see yourself as the man in the ditch. Half dead. So this morning we're going to talk about rescue. A rescue 
story. We're going to ease in on Jesus evangelizing this lawyer, giving him the gospel. He says, there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell into the hands of robbers. This is a parable. They tripped him. They beat him up and fled, leaving him half dead. And I want to stop right there. Until you can see yourself as the man in the ditch. All your self-works, your effort amounts to nothing. I want you to know that the gospel of Jesus is just this. You were half dead, lying in a ditch. And you tried to be a better person. And you tried to help yourself. And you tried religion. Look what it says. It says, and so the man is half dead and he's in a ditch. And here comes a priest. Here comes a priest, and this priest, oh, surely this priest is going to help him. But the Bible says, no, the Bible says in this parable that the priest snatches the reins of his animal, and he goes to the other side of the road, avoiding this man. Which says religion, which is saying religion, religion and religious things cannot help a spiritually dead man. Religion won't work. Priest won't, won't, won't cut it. Your religious law keeping won't work, sir. A Levite passed by him. Then the Bible says next that a, or a, 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 a priest, next, the next verse says, part of that verse says, a Levite seen him, looked on him, snatched the reins of his beast to the other side to lead his animal to the other side of the road, passing by. What does this represent? Once again, it represents the religious system of that day. It wouldn't work. It couldn't work. And let me tell you something. I have people come to me all the time, and they say, Pastor, your preaching has changed my life. Or this church has changed my life. Or this ministry in this church has changed my life. Hear me. I haven't changed anybody's life. This church hasn't changed anybody's life. There's not a ministry in this church that can change anybody's life. But the Jesus that we preach and the Jesus that we sing about and the Jesus that we lift up, there is not a life that he cannot change. And when he is the foundation and he is the rock that the church is built on, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. A Levite. What was a Levite? A Levite was a musician. A worship team. Somebody on the worship team. A, an usher. A connector. Someone who works in the temple. But they couldn't help this man. But look what it says. It says, but a Samaritan... On his journey, came up to him. I think it's funny that Jesus used this term Samaritan, which means someone that, first of all, someone that this lawyer wouldn't have nothing to do with. A Samaritan was known as less of a uh, was known as, as less of a person. A half-breed is what they would call them. 
In fact, if you were to insult somebody in this ancient day, you'd call them a Samaritan. Jesus himself in one of the Gospels was called a demon-possessed Samaritan. Jesus said and uses this word, a Samaritan on his journey came up to him. And I believe this Samaritan in this story is a picture of Jesus. He came to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion on him. I could preach that all day long. When he saw him. What I'm picturing is this beggar who's in a ditch with blood all over his face. Have you ever seen somebody in in a major accident and you come up on them? I know, Keith, you have working in law enforcement and the blood from an injury somewhere, you don't know where it's from, but it'll get in their eyes and it'll look like they're bleeding from everywhere and it'll drip down in their nose and you don't know what's going on. And it looks a lot worse, a lot most times, than it is. Sometimes it's more worse than you thought it was. But the blood was in this man's eyes. And I can can remember when Josh got hit by something in the head. Not when I threw the rock at him and knocked him out. It was a whole other time. Somebody had threw something at him and struck him in the head and blood was coming down his face and it got into his eyes and all of the white in his eyes were red. I thought, he's dead. <laughs> but he didn't die. And I could see this man and he's on ditch and he's covered in blood. He's covered in mud. And he can't see the person coming. But this Samaritan saw him. He, oh, okay. There's an old song. It says, he came to me I said it was old. You don't know it. (laughs) He came to me when I could not come to where he was. He came to me. That's why he died on Calvary. When I couldn't come to where he was he came to me he came to me i'm so glad he came to me i, I am that man who couldn't see i had mud in my eyes blood in my eyes i was lost and undone and didn't know where to look but I, when i looked up jesus was looking at me somebody ought to give god a shout of praise Oh, hallelujah. He he had compassion on him. He saw him. He saw the man, and he went over to him. Follow me, guys. And he bandaged his wounds. He got down. He bandaged his wounds, working on him. And the Bible says, this Samaritan poured the oil, some oil. What does the oil represent? The Holy Spirit. And before a man can get saved, he must be convicted, drawn, irritated, if you will, by the Holy Spirit. Oh, but when he gets saved, this same Holy Spirit, he is sealed with until the day of redemption. He pours in the oil 
And then the Bible says he takes the wine and he starts pouring in the wine. Oh, what's this about? What's this about? What does the wine represent? The wine in this day was an antiseptic. It was a cleansing agent. It, it cleansed the wounds from infection and disease. And he poured in the wine. But what does the wine represent in the new covenant? We remember Jesus sitting at a table and he stands up and he says, this cup of wine represents my blood. Oh, let me tell you something. The blood of Jesus is a spiritual antiseptic. It's a spiritual cleansing agent. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But this blood of Jesus that Jesus shed on the cross washes away every sin stain. of. And anybody understand what I'm saying? It washes and cleanses from sin. He pours in the oil. Pours in the wine. Oh, and then, listen to what it says. He got him up. And he put him on his own animal. His own beast of burden. And said, you don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to walk this thing. By yourself and he puts him on his own on his own animal and over 2,000 years ago and about a year and a half later from this parable Jesus would take upon himself on his own in his own body the sins of the entirety of the world am I boring you am I boring you on his own our sin, not his sin. He had no sin, not his wrongdoing. He had no wrongdoing. He was empty of charges, clean slate, perfect. But on the cross, upon his own body, First Peter tells us, he took our sin. He put him on his own animal. Listen, and then the Bible says, he brought, took him, brought him to an inn, an inn to take care of him and let me just say this when God saves you he's going to take care of you say amen. amen when he saves you he never at one point does he not at no point does he say alright you're on your own Try it now by yourself and see how you do. No, he says, be completely, 100%, totally dependent upon me. I'll, for your food, cry out to me. For your strength, cry out for me. To your joy, cry out for me. When you need grace, cry out to me. When you need peace, cry out to me. When you need substance, cry out to me. When you need strength, cry out to me. Whatever you need, call out on me. I want to be there. I will be there. He took him to an end and he took care of him. And then it says the next day why he was leaving. And see, it gets better and better uh, for the believer. The next day he was leaving the Samaritan. And he took, took out two denarii or denarii or whatever. And he took it out. And he said, let this man stay. Wait a minute. This wasn't for the night. It 
two denarii in this day would, would, would allow this man to stay two months. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? You ever put somebody up two months? You notice a lavish, extreme love and care. He puts him in the end for two months. And then he says, here's the money. And when I come back, whatever extra you spend, I'll take care of it. Oh, my goodness. When I come back, here's what I pay the price. I'll pay the price for you, for your place. At an, I didn't have a place. I didn't have, mm, sorry, first service, you didn't get this. I didn't, I come into this world, I had no place. I had no end to stay. I, I, so I become, I become a vagabond for you. I become a traveler for you. But when you come to me, I'll forever have a place for you to stay. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? And then he said this, and I will come back. I will come back. And whatever you spend, I don't know about y'all. But after I, get saved, after I got saved, I still needed draws of grace. I needed draws of mercy. I found out that I, I, my spirit was perfect, but my behavior needed some changing. So I would need draws of grace, and I still need draws of grace. I need draws. I, need, I had to draw from that well of grace this morning. I had to draw from that well of mercy this morning. I need it. Sometimes I even need it in my sleep. I heard somebody say the only time he's good is when he's asleep. Sometimes I'm bad when I'm asleep. Sometimes I beat people up in my sleep. Come on, somebody. I, I, I do things in my sleep that I would never do awake. <laughs> Woo! And I need his grace. And I need his mercy. And he said, I'll, I'll pay the price for you today. And whatever you spend, whatever you think you need, what I'll take care of it too. Then he asked, which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor? And the lawyer said, the man who fell, the one who showed mercy to him, to the man who fell at the hands of robbers. And then Jesus said, exactly. Go and do the same. Wait a minute. And then the lawyer should have hit his knees and said, but I can't. Because no matter how hard we strive, sometimes we will hit the mark, Jamie. But heaven is not about sometimes getting it right. If you're going to go to heaven, you've got to get it right all the time. Sometimes I believe, sometimes I, I, I love the Lord with all my heart. 
what is my heart? So you think that's some lovey-dovey thing. But what is my heart? My heart is the soulish part of me. My mind and my will and emotions. And sometimes my emotions aren't loving God. And sometimes my mind isn't loving God. I do things that would not be pleasing to God. And, and if I love God, then I would want to please God, right? And I want to love my neighbor, don't you? And I want to love the person that's not like me. And I want to love the person that, that needs me to love them. But sometimes, you know what I say to the neighbor? Because sometimes a neighbor is not an orphan or a stranger. Sometimes a neighbor is my family. And I can, I can, I can treat the neighbor that is a stranger a lot better than I can tr treat the, I'm preaching now, the neighbor that's my family. So I tell my neighbor, my family, okay, you've done me wrong, but you got one more chance. That's not loving the neighbor. When you put stipulations on a neighbor, that's not loving the neighbor as yourself. Come on, somebody. That's not loving the, the neighbor. Loving the neighbor as yourself is, is loving the neighbor how you want God to love you. And how mercy, the mercy you want God to give you, that's what God is saying. It's a perfect love. It's a perfect treating of a person. And then I sit here and stay or stand here today and tell you I fall short. Thank God for the gospel. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, which says, No man is justified by the works of the law. But we are justified, first line, by faith in Jesus. Amen. Was Jesus doing a new thing, a radical thing? Yes. Because what we could not do in our behavior and with the failures and the missing the mark, Jesus Christ paid the price for us. And he became sin. And he, he, became, he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Why is it so important to understand the gospel? Because if you want to begin to love your neighbor as Jesus loves you've got to understand you're the man in the ditch. That is the first step. You'll never become a neighbor until you, and, and love your neighbor like you should love them until you realize you, you were neighbored. You were the man in the ditch. You were left to die. But Jesus rescued you. If you can't see yourself as that man, even as a saved person, you better remember that that was you. And if you're not saved today, that is who you are. And you think, well, what will people think about me? So, you, I mean, that makes me feel bad because, I mean, so y'all aren't like that, but I am. But we were all like that. We were all that man. We were, we were all that man. We were all that woman at the well. Huh? We were all that person who was lost 
and needed Jesus. Needing rescue. So you, so, you know what's bad, I think, is to need rescue and not know you need rescuing. There's 300 and some odd million people. 300, 300 million, yes. 300 million something people in the United States. Did you know there's 86,400 seconds in a day? Did you know that Every 11 seconds, someone dies. <clears throat> what that means is, if there's 86,400 seconds in a day, if, if one person dies every 11 seconds, that's only in America. We're only talking about America. 11 seconds. That means there's 35 around... 3,500 people who die every day. Every day. Every 11 seconds, somebody dies. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Somebody died. Count. Count. Keep on counting. Just him. Somebody died. Now, keep on counting, yeah. And now listen to this. I look in the parables of, of, of God's Word, and it talks about, like, one time when the word went out, somebody just died. Keep on going. That when the word went forth, that the seed, only one out of four times got in good ground. That's 25%. That I look at numbers. Somebody just died. I look at numbers, so I'm thinking 25% maybe of this number, only 25% of them will go into heaven. Someone just died. And so then when I'm thinking about this, I think about another parable where it says that there were two in the bed. One shall be left and one shall be taken. I like that number a little better. That's 50%. Somebody just died. So I like that number a little bit better. But what that means is then, and I've got my numbers wrong, 7,000 people die every day. And if we go on the 50% mark, that means 3,500 of those 7,000 people go to hell. Somebody just died. They went to hell. Louder. And somebody just died. They went to heaven, not on their works, 
Not on their goodness, but through Jesus Christ. Somebody just died and went to hell. Not because they had to, because they chose to. Not because there wasn't a way of escape, because there is. God is wanting to rescue. Somebody just died. And there's a rescuer today, and his name is Jesus. And the Bible says his hand is not too short that it can't not reach down where you're at and pick you up. Somebody just died. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? And I'm not playing games with you. I'm asking you right now. And this is not about dramatic effect. This is about the truth of the matter. This is where the rubber meets the road, friend. There is a forever, and you're going to spend forever somewhere. And you are right now dead in a ditch, sucking air, trying to save your life. But you cannot say somebody just died. But you cannot save your life. But if you'll give your life up to Jesus, if you'll lose your life, you will find life. Stand with me all across the building. Musicians and singers come really quick. Keep on counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, seven. Somebody just died. Do you see the, 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 the gravity of the situation? That people are going into eternity right now. See, somebody just died, but it's not you, right? So you're not really worried about it. But let me just give you a glimpse on the last two years of my life. I have preached funerals from 14-year-olds up to 80-year-olds. Somebody just died. Age has nothing to do with it. Your days are numbered, and it's God's will that no man should perish. And I'm not, somebody just died. And I'm not playing games with you today. I'm telling you to make things right with Jesus. Stop right there. If you got breath in your body, you got chance. You got a chance. Here's a good, it's more than a chance. Well, I'm sorry. The Bible says, if you come to him, he'll never put you to shame. The gospel, he says he will never put you to shame. He will never turn you away. I can remember asking somebody out on a date. There's a 50-50 chance they're going to say no. No one ever did to me, but there is a chance. But boy, would I go into it different if I knew the answer was yes. And I'm telling you right now, you think I'm taking a chance if I step out today and I trust Jesus. I'm saying you ain't taking a chance. The answer is, will he accept me? Yes. <laughs> will he love me? Yes, he already does. Does he want me? Yes. The answer is yes. All he's looking for, to, for you to give him is I'm willing. I'm ready. I need it. I need it. I need it for my life. I need it for my sanity. 
I need it for my family. I can't be the dad that I've been called to be. I can't be the mom that I'm supposed to be. I can't be the family member that I'm supposed to be. I can't be the friend that I'm supposed to be. I can't do it without Jesus. I'm trying, but I'm missing the mark. I'm a failure. I cannot do this. I have no peace. I have no joy. Say yes to Jesus. Online, if you're listening to me right now, if you don't know Jesus, today all you've got, he's already said yes. Hey, he's already, he already declared his love for you. God demonstrated his love in this manner. That while you were yet a sinner, Jesus died for you. Right now, I'm going to stand here and I've poured out my heart to you now. And I, I don't know what else to say. Holy Spirit, oh God, just do what you can do right now do what you can only you can do and draw people to you right now if you don't know your if you don't know where you would spend eternity if you're ready to make Jesus the lord of your life if you're ready to say yes to one who's already said yes to you if you're not sure I'm asking you, I'm begging you. Would you come down to this altar right now? What would people think about me? It doesn't matter. Some of you got to get up. You got to see yourself. You're dead. You're dead on that ditch, man. If, just a little bit longer, there'll be no hope. There'll be no, there'll be no grace. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't know Jesus, come now. Come now. Please. I'm begging you. I'm asking you. I'm, I'm begging, please, would you step out? Would you step out and receive Jesus today? Is there anybody here? Is there anybody here? You know where you'd spend it? Come on. Anybody else? This is the best day of your life. And this is a miracle. There's seven billion people on the face of this planet. And Jesus is dealing with you today. Why? Because he loves you. I want you to do me a favor right now. What's your name? Kim standing right here ready to give her life to Jesus. I want to ask you to do me a favor. The Bible talks about a man who was paralyzed, who couldn't get to Jesus. There was a bunch of people. He found out that there was a uh, Jesus was next door, but he couldn't get to Jesus. He had some friends. His friends came, bathed him, put some clothes on him, loaded him up on a stretcher, and took him to Jesus. They got there and there were so many people they couldn't get in the house so they come up on the roof and dropped him down through the roof to Jesus. You know what Jesus done that day? He healed him and he saved his soul. All because he had four friends. I'm asking you to do something very personal and maybe even awkward to you but this is what we do almost every Sunday. Because this is life or death. I want you to ask the person to the to the left or to the right of you right now and say, if you need Jesus, be a friend to somebody. If you need Jesus, 
If you want to come down to that altar, I'll go down with you. Ask them right now. Ask them right now. Ask them right now. Ask them right now. If they say yes, grab them by the hand and let's go. Come on. Anybody else? Is there anybody else here? Anybody? Come on. There's some coming right here. fixing to pray a prayer. Is there anybody else? We pray this prayer. We believe it. We're saved. And it is the greatest miracle of all. This isn't a man-made thing. This is Jesus dealing with you personally. I want you guys to pray this with me all out there, up here, and online this morning. We're going to pray this together. When you pray this and you believe it, you're saved. Okay. Say, Lord, here I am. I believe you died for me and you rose again for me. I am that man. I am that woman in the ditch, left for dead, but you did not leave me. You've come to save me. And I receive your mercy. And I receive your love. And I turn away from my sin. And I'm going to live for you. I place my faith, my trust, everything that I am in you. And I believe today that I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Now give God a shout of praise. Say right here. They're going to get you to fill out this information right here. And I want to encourage you. The next step is submission. Salvation. Now you submit to discipleship. You don't. This is a new life. You need to learn about your new identity in Christ. So I want you to please be here. Join me. There will be other people here. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock for New Believers Small Group. And I'm, I'm ready to take you on a journey and show you what Jesus Christ has done for you and you'll never, ever be the same. Amen? God bless you so much. Can we give God a shout of praise for what He done today? Lift your hands all across the building. We're going to close in prayer. Father, we bless you. We thank you today. Thank you for these great miracles, the greatest miracles of all, God. The greatest miracle of all is salvation. And God, we give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honor for it today. Lord, may this week we share, share what has happened today, share our stories of rescue, God, because what you've done for one, you'll do for someone else, God. And we give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. There ain't nothing you can do about it. God bless you. See you next week. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.